Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera. Another week into the NFL offseason, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts to, to go over some some late-breaking news and notes related to the Ravens and the NFL. So, joined, seated next to me is Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Uh, good, man. Yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, we kind of always, behind the scenes, we always try and plan these out together and think of... Little things to talk about. You know, last week we did the Ravens family feud because the, the news uh, was not as, as hefty. But we've we've got some things to dive into today. I'm excited. Joining us from La La Land, Jace Evans. Jace, I assume it's like 75 degrees out there. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's in the 70s for sure. <laughs> um, uh, it's been great. Uh, it's been really nice lately. Uh, winter is over. Uh, the the cold the cold forty eight degree nights are in the past. Winter has so. broken in Los Angeles. That's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, well, it's good to, good to hear you both are doing well. I mean, we're just going to dive right into some some Ravens news. We have a few other NFL things to talk about. Late uh, Tim's got a great random Raven. That's a, a listener submitted random Raven. So we're excited for that. Uh, and then maybe Jace is going to grind his gears about something. But first, let's talk about the Ravens. Couple of deals getting done, couple of things getting signed, maybe, we're not quite sure if it's all official, but hearing some whispers, so a few deals. Tim, I'm going to turn to you, some deals for the coaching staff and some deals for the players. What's the the latest on that? Oh, we got to start with the man with the best haircut in the Ravens organization, Mr. Don Wink Martindale, uh, defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Obviously, right when the season ended, we were worried about losing him uh, after the defensive revolution uh, for Baltimore after the week four loss to Cleveland. They really tied everything up and were able to become a force on that end of the field to maybe not match, but keep pace with their offense a bit as well. Uh, The high flying offense. He is, he signed a new deal. Wink Martindale coming back. I believe it's a three year extension. Um, Great news. I think to lock up a guy who we all thought was going to get a head coaching job, you know, was linked heavily with uh, like the giants job. Uh, in New York there. So 
your, your guys' take on retaining uh, Don Wink Martindale there. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think in the NFL, uh, you know, I think we look every year at the teams um, that maintain kind of consistency across the coaching staff, I think, tend to have um, the most success. And, uh, oh, yeah, no, defensive coordinator for the Ravens has historically been a position that kind of churns through <laughs> um, guys, not for bad reasons, but because those guys usually end up becoming head coaches to varying degrees of success. So I'm, I'm ecstatic. I think it's great to bring him back in the fold. His defense has been really, really good the past few years. I think we're admittedly fans of the all blitz all the time style as well. (laughs) So schematically I enjoy it. I don't, you know, who knows how truly effective it is, but it is fun to watch on a week to week basis. Um, So yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm into it as well. I mean, the whole blitz all the time thing is is sort of a pro for him in parentheses, and that's because he didn't have the personnel to be a dominant defense, and yet he did things to turn the defense into sort of a – he turned average players into above-average players. He turned great players into, like, phenomenal players and just leveraged the, the abilities and the talent that the team had on defense. My big thing, he's done this multiple times with different units of players who – in my opinion, we're sort of overachieving. He had some veterans in certain seasons who were, you know, toward the tail end of their careers who weren't, uh, I mean, Suggs comes to mind. That was a guy that sort of the last few years of his career in the room really squeezed the most talent out of him. Weddle, I thought, was another case of that. We've talked about Weddle uh, in the past few weeks. But just, I think he's taken this defensive unit and made it better every year. I think, I don't, I tried to pull up the rankings. Probably something I should have done in prep time, but They've been like, Tim, I don't know if you have it in front of you. They've been like top five multiple seasons in a row. Yeah, this is why this is why I'm here, because I like to talk about defense and statistics <laughs> with the defense. Jace, first of all, you talk about the all blitz thing. Huge fan of that, obviously. But <laughs> but to, to Antonio's point, he did it out of necessity and he built a system which was incredibly effective without having premier guys. In 2018, two seasons ago, that was his first year as the. Uh, defensive coordinator obviously has been with the team since like around 2012 as a linebackers coach and and different roles in there. Um, the defense led, had a league best 292, almost 293 yards allowed per game. And he was a runner up for the AP assistant coach of the year. Turn that into 2019 after losing Terrell Suggs, CJ Mosley, Eric Weddle and Zadarius Smith, who we didn't know was going to be that big of a loss and turned into <laughs> turned into a superstar with the Green Bay Packers. Struggled a little bit out of the gate, obviously gave up 40 points to Cleveland in that week four loss. After that, allowed just 15.1 points per game from week five on. Uh, on throughout the whole, allowed 300 yards per game, fourth best in the league, also ranked third in total points, allowing only 17.6 points allowed per game. There's some studs clearly on that defense, but um, Wink makes them all go. Uh, and And another thing, too, is you can clearly tell that they love him. I, I think it's it's it seems pretty obvious. You see all the social media stuff. He has the big chain, and he's in the group photo with the defense after the Patriots win, stuff like that. Seems like a very likable guy from everything you hear. Clearly, you know we're not necessarily in the know, but the people who are always report those types of things. So I think it's nothing but positive to keep Wink Martindale. Um, there, there should should be reported too. 
And just as a little aside, we don't have to talk about him too much because I do want to talk about somebody else on the defensive end. But Jeff Zarebeck reported that Greg Roman also signed an extension as well. So two of the most – the guys who revolutionized these systems, um, Greg Roman, as we talked about at length, building a system for the MVP, Lamar Jackson, I think in terms of how valuable they are across the league as, as an assistant, I I think they're they're – Way up there. So it's great to have both of those guys around. Real quickly, though, I want to I want to talk about a guy who it's going to come up all offseason uh, reports from CBS Sports and others that the Matt Judon saga may end with a franchise tag. Now, the franchise tag will change depending on what position uh, he is. He will be classified as I'm sure he'll be trying to get pass rusher money, obviously, um, as a guy who clearly does that most of the time. It looks like, I can pull up the specific numbers here, if he was franchise tagged, he would probably make about $16 million this year. The Ravens only have about $30 million to work with at the moment, so it would be over half of their available cap space to make any sort of moves. So, gentlemen, and Jace, I can start with you, a guy that, we're gonna, that we have to talk about, is franchise tagging Matt Judon the right move for the Baltimore Ravens? I'm going to say no, I think. I, I love <laughs> the long pause. I love the deep thought there. Uh, it's it's a great question. I, you know, they it, that's just so much money. And for a guy, you know, we've talked about in weeks past, this, the motto for this team, right, it's always been right player, right price. And that's just so much money to commit to a guy who, while good – had at the end of the day nine and a half sacks now the counter argument obviously is well that was probably about four or five more sacks than literally anyone else on the team got and that's fair um but uh, i don't know for matthew judon he does a lot of things well but that seems just like such a high amount now other caveat is the idea has been floated to tag and trade so just because they, you know, they tag him doesn't necessarily mean he'll be on the Ravens um, in 2020. It's fascinating. I think, though, that at that price, you might have to walk away because I think there's so many needs still, despite how good the season was, that they need to address. Shop, shop, shop. <laughs> Uh, I think he should not be signed to that amount of money. However, I have one thing to say. I, Jace is right with the nine and a half sacks. You can look at that two different ways. You can look at it as that's not that great of a stat to pay him half of the Ravens' available cap. However, look at the rest of the defense right now. The other stat that has been floated with Judon a lot, and it's a, it's a big one, is QB hits. Because, yeah, you know, sacks can be fickle. You know, so sometimes a guy can be dominating a game and just being in the quarterback's face the entire game and not register a sack because the guy's able to throw the ball away or, you know, avoid something or penalties called. However, the QB hits sort of rack up over the season. Judon had 33 of those this year for the defense. The next highest was Tyus Bowser with 10. So oh. nobody came <laughs> close to basically consistent pressure outside of the nine and a half sacks. 
So I'm sort of arguing the point against my own decision, but if they sort of have to look at us, if they make a strategy around this is our main area of need, and this is what we talked about with uh, Yanda's retirement, right? Like, if Yanda stays, then they can sort of pivot a little bit away from that and know that the pass rush is the primary area of need. If they have a plan around that, I think you can you can let Judon go either with the franchise tag and trade or, or let him go outright. I don't know the exact details with that, but I think that's too much for, for a guy that is just the classic Raven draft, get his best plays, best four years, and then let him go somewhere else with a super high contract. I will flip-flop here multiple times throughout until <laughs> something happens. I think you, I think you give it to him. I think you'd give it to him for a number of reasons. One, a lot of this comes down to how much the front office and the coaching staff trust the progression of guys like Jalen Ferguson, Giad Ward, Tyus Bowser, as you mentioned there, too. Guys who showed flashes but are nowhere near ready to be pass rusher number one. I think it gives you time down the road to see if there's a potential deal this offseason to get draft picks, something that the Ravens value more than almost anybody in the NFL, or maybe down the line to work for a deal that if this is the rumor coming out that they're going to tag him, they're nowhere close to a long-term deal with him. Two, three, four, wherever I'm at here on these points, (laughs) they don't want a lot of contracts past 2022 or 2023, whenever Lamar's deal is up. They don't want to have a lot of money sitting there that's already taken up by the time they have to pay him. A lot of these, the only guys that are going to get deals past that year are the bona fide superstar cornerstone building blocks. An argument against that is one of those guys is Ronnie Stanley, who needs to sign a long-term deal very soon. You franchise Judon and sign him to a long-term deal, you pretty much have no more moves to make. That's about it. All of that being said, as great as Wink is, I think Judon showed a vast improvement this year in not only becoming the number one guy, but not making as many boneheaded plays. Um, We talked about two seasons ago, his sack numbers were inflated based on a couple of games where he really, really impressed, and then he kind of shied away after that. I thought he made pretty consistent plays throughout the year this year on defense, even as the bona fide number one guy. And I think with a franchise tag and not a long-term deal, while it might upset him as you know a guy who feels like he should get paid and maybe deservedly so after a pro bowl season he still knows that he's got to perform to get that paycheck that he really wants so maybe you just get one more year of him see if he performs at a a very very high level and then from there if you got to let him go you got to let him go because the money's way too much for a long-term deal or maybe you're able to restructure something the other thing here too and you brought it up antonio at the moment now they could play the waiting game with this if they decide to not franchise him and then yonda blindsides them and actually retires such a good word thanks they're in a crisis (laughs) they're in an absolute crisis with two bona fide problems on either end of the football um so it's maybe I've maybe I've turned as we've done this podcast for 27 episodes now, I believe. I think this I think they should franchise Matt Judon um, over either releasing him or giving him a long term deal. I think the franchise tag is the right option. I'm going to add one more layer to this. 
the aspect of franchising him and then using that and potentially trying to then shop him around and sell him, is that going to stop teams from, I mean, does his value in a trade go down because he has a one-year deal, basically? Like, teams have to, some teams can look at that and say, why am I going to give capital for this guy when, in theory, I can just wait a year and sign him to the long-term deal that I was going to give him anyway without giving up draft picks? Well, I have two examples. I have a couple of examples there. You have teams that think they can win now and need that final piece and are desperate to do that. Kansas City, they got defensive end Frank Clark, or excuse me, they traded a 2019 first and a third round pick for defensive end Frank Clark and a 2019 third round pick, which also included a 2020 second round pick. This is coming from CBS Sports, by the way. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers traded a second round pick for defensive end D Ford. Both Ford and Clark signed huge deals with their new teams. Ford five years, 87 and a half million, while Clark five years, 105.5 million with 63.5 million guaranteed. This is the money that pass rushers are making. Jadavion Clowney last offseason, too, did the same thing. He signed or he got traded to Seattle and has an agreement with them that he will not be franchised. He will either sign a long-term deal with them or they will allow him to test the market for a long-term deal. There are teams who will be desperate. There are also teams who are not as well run as the Baltimore Ravens. It's just a fact. I'm not trying to sound biased. It's just a fact. There are some dumb franchises in the National Football League, and maybe they think they have a chance, or maybe they have an owner who wants to make a splash, or maybe they have you know, an aging quarterback, and this is the last ride, or whatever it is. There will be a team who, if the Ravens are shopping him around, will make a play for him, and if they can get a second-round pick, or a second and a third next year, whatever it is, for a team that values draft picks more so than almost anybody else in the league, like I said before... It would be hard for them to pass that up, I think. The only counterpoints I have, and part of why I paused so long uh, (laughs) in deciding what my answer was, um, and you mentioned him earlier, is I wonder if there's a fear with how well Zadarius Smith had played this year that they let another guy walk and say he had Matt Judon has 15 sacks or so next year. If there is, like, that fear holding them back from potentially doing that again, I lean towards no. As you mentioned, uh, a lot of dumb franchises out there, and there's no real evidence that the Ravens are one of them. Um, But I I do wonder if they see what happened there and just worry about it and do just franchise it to kick it down the line. And then the other thing we kind of touched on, too, but – Um, It's different than the NBA. Free agency happens before the draft in the NFL. So, um, you know, if they do let Judon walk uh, and then subsequently don't sign someone to replace him, there's no guarantee you're going to get a good pass rusher in the draft. (laughs) That's just how the draft works. Um, So I think that's something, obviously, to keep in consideration, too. So. Am I waffling right in the middle of the segment? Probably. It might not be the worst idea to franchise tag him, but I, if I had to just say yes or no, I do not think I would do it. I mean, that's a really good point, looking at the draft. Like, they could franchise him now, take on the draft, and see what they can do in the draft, see what players they get and how they feel about it, and then pivot to try to trade him after the fact and get draft picks for the following season. I, mean, I feel like that's a pretty safe approach. And he doesn't have to sign the tender, right, if they tender him for, like, 
a pretty long time, so it could kind of just be a thing in limbo. Um, but that you just do it so that, you know, you don't lose him for nothing immediately. So it'll, as we've said, it'll be something we'll be watching all off season. <laughs> yeah, all off season for sure. And just one thing quickly too: the Ravens in, in a little bit of preparation, obviously Jace is our college football guy here on pod, like a Raven. I love mock drafts and things like that, but I'm not a, you know, I have a job now, so I can't unfortunately be a, a faux draft expert like I used to be while reading these in sociology class at Maryland. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, I, it seems like the Ravens are constantly being linked to pass rushers. Um, there's a guy, Murray, out of Oklahoma who they've been linked to a lot. And it seems like it's not the wide receiver class. The wide receiver class in this draft is is stacked. But it seems like the pass rushing class is relatively decent so they might look at their options there and say hey we could probably find another young stud to help and develop with these other young guys that we already have here as well Well, you know obviously we'll be doing way more draft stuff as that comes the combines this week it's all officially kicking off um so so keep keep your eyes on that space as well they could just try and go younger and cheaper which is a, a, a route the ravens do love to do another rumor that has just circulated, I think, just today uh, that I don't think any of us are really into. Hayden Hurst, tight end, first round pick from the Ravens, drafted. This will be a trivia question in years to come that Hayden Hurst was drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson in the first round (laughs) by the Ravens. Never forget. Rumors that Hurst is getting shopped around a little bit Uh, that a potential trade to either the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New England Patriots for draft picks. I think that, you know, I mean, we're all going to have, I think, sort of overlapping opinions on this, but it may just be a rumor. Obviously, it's one of those things. Who knows how the NFL operates? I could never see the Ravens trading a first round draft pick tight end on his rookie deal to the New England Patriots and watching him yeah, watching him score <laughs> 12 touchdowns in a season. So his agent planted that. There's no <laughs> way the Ravens would make that trade. That's my two cents. Hurst stays and Hurst should stay. But what are your guys thoughts on? Uh, I guess we, we've gotten Jason's opinion, but Tim, your thoughts on, on Hurst going to, to Florida? Yeah, I mean, them going to the Patriots is just for lack of a better term, asinine. They're never going to try and improve uh, a, a legitimate AFC contender like that with a guy who clearly still has some talent. Now, what we forget, Hayden Hurst, two years in the league, going on his third year, he is already 26. He was an old rookie coming in. He was a 25-year-old rookie when they drafted him. If you, if that sort of stuff matters to you, um, he saw some improvement over the the, the last two or the last two seasons, I should say, didn't start any games uh, in his rookie year, obviously with the emergence of Mark Andrews, also drafted in that draft. Um, played in all 16 this past season, four, uh, started four games, th- uh, 30 receptions instead of 13, and three touchdowns total uh, throughout these two seasons, only two this year compared to one last year. So very limited uh, from Hayden Hurst. Hasn't really, you know, burst onto the scenes. Obviously, Mark Andrews, has kind of become the guy for Lamar Jackson, the the safety blanket, the the Gronk light for the Baltimore Ravens. But the problem with Mark Andrews is that he can't stay on the field. Battled foot injuries all this year, and 
We saw this, the, the, the system that the Ravens ran, all three of their tight ends were incredibly important in their system. They all do things a little differently. Um, Nick Boyle is mainly, I mean, Antonio just pulled up a picture. Of you Nick know who Boyle. I don't want yeah. <laughs> as a primary target? Go ahead. Yeah, it, he go. looks, he is the definition of a road grader and you can see it in his face. Obviously the lead blocking tight end. Uh, Mark Andrews would rather play receiver if he really could. And then Hayden Hurst is a little bit of a combo of the of the both of them. And I think all three of them there are incredibly important. Now, Hurst wanting more targets, I completely understand that. Uh, you know, the first round pick not getting not getting, you know, 30 receptions this year, not even hitting 35, 40 receptions over 16 games is not a great turnout. That being said, I think some of that is on him as well. Uh, the amount that he is in. In this system, he plays a lot as the second tight end. I think some of that needs to be on him, needs to be on Lamar, not just, you know, looking at Mark Andrews all the time. Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews. Um, So I don't think I think the Ravens will maybe have a sit down with him, say, hey, are you clearly visibly frustrated? Is something we can talk about? Um, But there's I don't think there's any way unless unless they get like a first round pick for Hurst. That would be that would be maybe the one thing that would that would perk their ears up a little bit. But outside of that, I don't think there's anything to this. I'm going to come in so hot. I'm going to interrupt you, Jace, because I'm going to stoke the fire (laughs) and then let you run with it. The New England Patriots have want Tom Brady to stay their quarterback. They have needed a tight end, a playmaking tight end since Gronkowski retired. They had Ben Watson catching passes for them last season, which was ridiculous. What if I offer this just as a you know hypothetical? The Patriots offer their late first round draft pick for Hayden Hurst because that's the need for them. They need to show that they are you know getting athletes and playmakers at the tight end spot to keep Tom Brady on the roster. Now you're the Ravens, Jace, getting a first round first round compensation for a backup tight end, technically. What do you pull the trigger? Are you are you terrified of Bill Belichick turning Hayden Hurst into Gronkowski 2.0? Yeah, not with I'm not doing that trade with the Patriots. If the Jags offer a first, <laughs> then I'm listening. But I think um I think that Exactly what you said. If Bill Belichick wants one of your players, that should give you a level of pause to be like, hey, what are we not seeing or getting out of this guy that the New England Patriots want? And I think it's obvious for that is he's a tall, strong, athletic tight end that is the opposite of literally any tight end the Patriots had last year. And I have no doubt he would succeed there. That being said, I because I said I would do the deal with the Jags, I see the logic in trading Hayden Hurst. Like you said, he's clearly their number two tight end, and they have Nick Boyle. I don't know about how many tight ends you need, but I have thought they should try to find like more ways for him to get involved in the offense, because I think he is good and like... We talked about it during the season. He ran the fastest on any play of any player during this for the uh, Ravens offense when he took that catch and run against the Bills. He's super athletic and seems pretty versatile. Um, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't translated. So in a perfect world, I would just keep him. He was first round pick. He seems talented, um, which, you know, you always need talent on your offense. 
And I would absolutely, under no circumstances, uh, trade him to the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Jace, you sort of cheated my hypothetical there. The Jaguars are not going to offer a first-round pick, in my opinion, just because of where the pick is. Well, they're not giving up eight overall right, so for that's him. That's not happening. But, <laughs> but the late first round is, is where I think this gets... You know, more interesting, certainly, and slightly more feasible, but probably not still. So we will, we'll see. That may have just been, you're right, Jason, agent, you know, Hearst agent, just sort of uh, trying to get a little more action for his tight end. But we'll see what happens in the in the coming weeks with that. But I think all three of us would certainly rather see him in the purple and black next season. Last uh, Raven n- note. Uh, and this is of the sort of lighter variety, or I guess maybe the heavier variety. I'm going to turn to you, Jace. Uh, a Raven lineman just doing a fun thing with a lot of food. Our good friend, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Raven's He's friend of the program, <laughs> friend of the program, guy we personally know, uh, Bradley Bozeman, um, Raven's offensive lineman, is on a charity tour of sorts. Um, and during his time in Texas, he ate a 72-ounce steak in 48 minutes. <laughs> it's a lot of beef. Um, lot, a lot. Uh, don't have many more details other than that. It appears he won a shirt. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we got Raven. This, is the, this is the hard-hitting pod like a Raven news that you need to hear. Bradley Bozeman ate a large amount of beef. In a short period of time. 48 minutes, that's insane. A 72 ounce steak is like comically large. <laughs> I have, I have some, some more. First of all, from the Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports, the website for, I guess, the flagship of the Crimson Tide. So you know they're big Bradley Bozeman fans. I'm just going to read this article. First of all, headline Bradley Bozeman <laughs> beats beef. <laughs> Bradley Bozeman beats beef. You gotta. I think you have to. You gotta think about that one before you. Publish. I mean, I will say family show. Just as just as we, we get into this, uh, just some highlights here. Uh, Bozeman tested his stomach at the Big Texan Steak Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, on Route 66. The restaurant offers a unique dining challenge: not only consume a 72 ounce steak, three shrimp. A baked potato, a roll, and a salad, which I'm sure he just devoured, in under an hour, and the meal is free. Bozeman completed the challenge with 10 minutes to spare. <laughs> 50 minutes. He's housing this this oh bad boy. Uh, and we should know, too, Bradley Bozeman, all-around good guy, it seems like, too. Uh, does a lot of charity work in Baltimore. Uh, he and his wife, Nikki, are spending the NFL offseason on an RV tour across the country to serve at-risk children through the Bozeman Foundation. Their, fo- uh, their foundation... Focuses on the dangers of childhood bullying, how to prevent it, and ways to create a safe school and community environment for children. The Bozeman Tour will travel all the way out to California before circling back through the Midwest and returning to Baltimore. So, really good on Bradley and uh, an incredible feat of, uh, of steak eating, I should say. Uh, there was a restaurant near me where I grew up in Baltimore uh, called Alonzo's. And for a time, they had a burger there. That was their sort of like their main item on the menu. And it was like the challenge, not a challenge, but it was it was a challenge in parentheses. It was a pound and a half. So that would be uh, 24 ounces. And that thing was uneatable. Nobody ate that in one sitting. 
and it was sort of humorous how it came out on a plate to the table. It would be a whole show for people. Drunk guys sitting at the bar would order it and try to finish it in one go and probably wouldn't. And that was 24 ounces. <laughs> so, Bradley, I, I, I tip my cap to you, yeah, you for a lot of reasons. The charity, uh, road trip, and just the amount of calories that you can put in your belly. Yeah, you think like your average steak, if you're going to like an outback, is like six to eight ounces, and then you times that by nearly ten. <laughs> it's a lot of food. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure that we covered that. Uh, way to go, Bradley Bozeman. Last note, and this is not really a, just something that's upcoming. Started uh, yesterday, I believe, and will continue for the next, uh, I want to say, eight, eight to nine days. That's the NFL Combine. So the question that, that we've posed for, for this episode that we want to go over quickly is NFL Combine. Do I care? I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn to you, Jace. Thoughts on, on the Combine? How much attention are you going to be paying to it? How much stock do you put into it? Do you care? Absolutely not. And that is what's bothering me <laughs> this week. Yes. Um, I think the Combine is one of the goofiest things we do in the NFL I I see its importance in some ways, but people put way, way, way too much stock in what happens this week. I mean, its story today is Joe Burrow has the smallest hands, tied for the smallest hands of any prospect. And that's like a talking point now as we're talking about Joe Burrow's hands on draft Twitter when we just saw him throw more touchdowns than anyone in the history of major college football. I don't know. That seems like what I'm interested in is the, the, the part where he won the Heisman Trophy and led LSU to one of the greatest seasons in college football history. That's what I think matters. But now we're talking about, you know, Joe Burrow's hands and just out of this event, you have so many, you know, combined superstars who people talk themselves into. And it turns out, oh, yeah, he's just good at like lifting weights. It doesn't make him good at football. Uh, we ran a story on our website today. Um kind of just talking about Orlando Brown Jr., member of the Ravens, had a historically bad combine. Big fella put up just 14 reps at 225, which for an offensive lineman is about 10 lower than, like, you want to be on average. Uh, He ran real slow. His cone drills were all bad. But he was a Pro Bowl alternate this year. He's been pretty solid, I think. He has obviously limitations, but... You know, I think as it turns out, being a really good tackle for three or four years at Oklahoma like he was is more important than anything you do at Indianapolis for random drills. That being said, will I watch uh, watch it? Absolutely. (laughs) Who doesn't love a good 40 yard dash in tights? I mean, I used to be, again, back in the reference of when when I was really in on the draft stuff and had more time to do these types of things uh, in terms of entertainment. Yeah, I would sit around and watch all of the Combine and listen to Daniel Jeremiah break stuff down. I think I don't think the Combine is super important. I think the good teams know what is important there. And I think it's the interviews with some of these guys, the stuff that you don't really hear about, the behind the closed doors. Now, some of the questions apparently are incredibly ridiculous that some of these prospects get asked. But the, again, the good franchises know what to prioritize here. And the Orlando Brown story that you talked about, it's all it's all over the place. Check it out on USA Today to help out Jason, his friends. Um, he knows he told Jeff Zarebeck, our friend of the athletic. I know I had the worst combine in NFL history. He ran a five, eight, five, 40, which is slow for even big guys. He also posted combine lows in vertical jumps at 19 and a half inches, 
broad jump at 82 inches, and his 14 reps of the 225 bench press were the fewest of any offensive lineman that year. He was a first-round prospect that fell to the third round because of his poor combine showing, and people thought maybe he wasn't prepared or ready uh, for this for this interview to the National Football League. <laughs> Ozzie Newsom said, okay, great. I'll scoop him up in the third round, and now I have a Pro Bowl right tackle to go along with the guy who just had the you know, was the best left tackle in football last season in Ronnie Stanley. Um, so the combine is fun for, for draft nerds. It's, it's something to cling on to. It's news. It's something that you can a tangible that you can look at and report on and make decisions on. And I think that's why people love it so much. I mean, the NFL is just huge. I think that's why they can televise workouts yeah. and people will watch them. And they're in prime uh, time this year. They've moved it to evenings in Indianapolis. So they are in prime. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely going to watch it then. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. The combine is super important, and I will be watching every minute of it while my girlfriend in our small, tiny apartment pulls her hair out because she's watching me uh, watch guys do the broad jump. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I love the comparison to Orlando Brown or the, the mention of Orlando Brown. When you think of offensive linemen, do you think of... Oh my gosh, that guy's vertical jump. <laughs> That's so relevant to him being an offensive lineman. The broad jump. These are things that no offensive lineman has done from the day they got drafted, basically. <laughs> I get some of the drills make sense for some of the positions. Having a lineman do a cone drill, I don't even know if they do that, but that seems absurd. Mm-hmm. An offensive lineman doing a cone drill. I'm not going to be watching it. I, I don't mind if it's prime time, daytime, weekend time, holiday time. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tune in. My favorite part of it is the announcers on NFL Network whispering through like a guy running a 40-yard dash. That It just so – if the Oscars are the NFL draft, the combine is like the red carpet. Like if you, if you enjoy like learning about who made the gowns, then I guess it's for you. But otherwise, it's really just a precursor to the to the NFL. Well, that and watching Rich Eisen run the forty in full suit. <laughs> I was going to say that's what I always look forward to. Uh, every year, I'm like, he's going to do it faster, and it never is faster. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't even know. Uh, Tim, you'll be putting some. You'll be putting some hours in for the. Uh, I'll, log, I'll log some tape for your the guys. Own time in. I'll log some t- tape for the guys, and I'll report back with who really impressed me with their three cone drill and their vertical oh, jump. Man. Uh, Look, I'll admit, guilty pleasure, I've gone backwards and I've watched, like, Lamar Jackson's, like, stuff at the Combine, but it's not stuff that I find pressing and important when it's happening live. But anyway, Combine, check it out. It's all the next eight eight or nine days. We're going to move off of this now. Uh, We've covered what's bothering Jace, uh, just another great addition. So we're going to take one step further. We're going to go to Random Ravens, and it's Tim's turn and this is a listener-submitted random random? It is. It is. This is from uh, Gaz, who uh, frequently hits us up on Twitter. He's a member of the UK Ravens. A lot of love over there in the UK. Um, I know uh, Paul, another guy who always listens and comments. And um, we love when people interact with the show. It gives us, first of all, lets us know people are actually listening, which helps. Um, and it, it it's always appreciated, not even just the kind words, but any suggestions you have. Or if you want to select a random raven, you have a question for the guy, for us, whatever it is, uh, Pod Like a Raven on Instagram, where we got this one, Pod Like a Raven on Twitter, or uh, Pod Like a Raven at gmail.com. So this is from Gaz. Um, I should announce here, and we'll announce it at the end too. Speaking of the UK, 
We probably won't be doing episodes the next two weeks because I am traveling to London um, to to gallivant around merry old England for 10 days. Uh, so the next two Mondays, we or Tuesdays, I should say, when this releases, we will probably not have podcasts. But because there's not a ton of news going around, as soon as we get back into it, we'll be heavy on the draft um, and that type of stuff there. And so. I'll be at the Combine, so I'll be missing. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's another reason. Of course. I, Antonio, won't, I won't be here. So. Antonio will be there at the Combine. Whispering yeah, absolutely. with Bill Belichick and my binoculars out. Uh, so anyway, this is from Gaz. I, I, he did send me some – I changed some of his clues – uh, because this one is pretty easy, although I will also admit that I forgot this guy was on the team. So we could go either way here, but here we go. Clue number one. This two-time All-American was drafted with the 19th overall selection in the 2009 NFL Draft. 2009. He was one of six wide receivers drafted in the first round, something we could see this year as well. The other five were Kenny Britt, Hakeem Nix, remember him, Percy Harvin, former Raven Michael Crabtree, and Maryland's own Darius Hayward Bay. So he was the other one drafted in this list of receivers. Not terrible, that list of receivers. Not nobody great, but not terrible. The fact that Darius Hayward Bay was the first one, you know, Al Davis, rest in peace. Number three, he was signed by the Ravens in June of 2017, and then released less than a year later in March of 2018. Baltimore was his third and final stop oh, oh. in the NFL. I think I actually might know this. <laughs> this, it, it blows my mind. Yeah, I tried to throw you for a loop. 2009, now we're going all the way up to 2017. Well, yeah, I forgot. If it's who I think it is, I completely forgot this guy. <laughs> in his one season in Baltimore, he had 440 yards receiving. Third on the team... Behind Mike Wallace and Ben Watson. <laughs> this is an incredibly forgettable team, and it happened like two years Sometimes ago. Sometimes I think it was or a three years ago. fault. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe not. And then number five, my favorite clue. The only other Ravens to wear the same number as this player are Dante Stallworth, Rashad Perryman, and the one, the only, Elvis Gerback. Oh, boy. What a list. What Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So this, that is didn't your, have it until the literal last thing you said. That is your random raven from Gaz. Uh, have a think on it, listeners, when we report back here in 15, That's 20 a, minutes or so. If, again, if Hollywood, I, think I love it you, is. Hollywood. I, I love you so much, Hollywood. Thank, yeah. Thanks for being what on a, this team. What a choice. What a pick. That's an amazing one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love having real... Playmakers, yeah, real young playmakers at the wide receiver position on the Baltimore Ravens. That's a fantastic like three years ago. Really good, Raven. really good. For how recent it is, <laughs> it's about as random as it gets. I tell you, like if, if if this was the other way, and one of you two were asking this, I would put a five spot on it. Me not getting it. So that is the random Raven. We will answer that at the end of the show. So let's move on now to some NFL notes. And the biggest thing that we have. <laughs> Yeah, it's the biggest thing. I'm going to save the second thing for for later. That's going to get about a minute of space. But the biggest thing in the NFL over the past week has been the new CBA agreement. Well, the biggest negotiations for a new CBA. I should say negotiation. You're right, Jace. The biggest changes being proposed for the CBA, adding a game to the season, making it a 17-game season, And then this doozy, which Tim and I sort of rolled our eyes at each other before we got on the air. 
not six teams going to the postseason per conference, but seven teams, and only one team gets a bye. I'm getting angry just saying that out loud, so I'm going to turn to you two before I sort of start screaming into the mic here. Jace, first of all, you know, let's do them one at a time. Thoughts on the 17-game season, and then thoughts on the 14 teams going to the postseason. Well, I think 17 games is dumb. <laughs> dumb enough. I, I, it doesn't make sense unless, like, everyone is doing one neutral site game and they're just making the London games or the Mexico City games or what have you. Neutral site... That means they're either alternate. It sounds like one of the ideas, I believe it was Mark Murphy, the Packer CEO, was talking about it today, was like basically alternating years of nine home games versus eight home games and like doing that by car. It's like so convoluted. Every time the NFL has expanded games, which they haven't done in over 40 years, and it seems fine, but <laughs> whenever they have expanded, they went from 12 to 14 to 16. If you're going to expand, it's got to be games. It's got to be 18. Uh, the 17 is just so such a strange number and is going to leave everyone confused. I'm bad at math, trying to figure out no team's going to actually be able to finish 500. That's weird if you go to 17 games. So I hate 17 games. Um, and then I also, I think to your point, the playoff expansion, I'm not a fan of, but I think the idea of only one buy is actually what I hate more of the concepts that have been floated out there. Playoff expansion is probably fine. I don't know. I don't care. It probably means the Ravens will make the playoffs more, <laughs> which is a good thing. But, um, you know, uh, they haven't expanded the playoff field since 1990, so that's 30 years now we've had been in this playoff format, and I think it's been great. <laughs> the two buys, the four wild, the the two other division winners now, and the wild card, it just makes sense. We've been in this current current format since the realignment in 02. It's been great. It's been 20 years of good football. I just think it gives such a decided advantage to that number one seed, and like. Like you can like and, and now you like there's no benefit to like if you assume like the top t seeds 14 to 13 and three probably every year. That means like your team can go 12 and four and have an excellent year. And it's like you're no better than a team that went like, I don't know, nine and six, nine and eight. I don't know. But again, the 17 games is <laughs> messing me up. I, I can't do the math off the top of my head. So I it's like you went from nine and six to nine and eight. Just added it up there. Yeah, I was like nine and seven. Yes. And I was like, no, that's less games <laughs> than. <laughs> than yeah, I mean, Jace, you you you've nailed all the the reasonable points, the salient points here about why this is ridiculous. Seventeen is my personal favorite number. I oh, think it's a. Gosh. I think it's a. Her oh. no, I think it's horrific. <laughs> I think it's horrific to try and get. 17 games. I wasn't going to flip it on you, Antonio. Don't worry. Uh, to, to try and have 17 regular season games. It just feels weird. I don't like it. Um, it doesn't roll off the tongue the right way. And the other thing that just in terms of guys who, you know, we're fans of this game. We don't. Jace does for work. He covers this game for work. I cover uh, an entirely different sport for work. Antonio. Hey, uh, all three of us cover the NFL once a week, Monday nights. Thank you. That is true. It's on pod like a raven. This is the the minuscule amount that we do it, where we're probably more invested than other people. 
um, outside of your real, real, real NFL hardos or journalists who have an NFL beat, whatever it is. The the social aspect of trying to watch three wild card games in a day <laughs> does not appeal to me whatsoever. Those are going to be used long to be, days. <laughs> that's a long day. I used to be I used to be wake up at eleven a.m. Eastern over here on the East Coast, watch NFL countdown starting at like eleven, and go all the way through the Sunday night until my parents were like, "You have to go to bed, you maniac." But now. If you try and put three games back to back to back here, yeah, the NFL is too big to fail. So people are going to watch it, of course, but you're not going to be able to be as invested in it unless it's your team. I think the way they have it set up now, the playoffs are perfect. It is just the right amount of football with quality teams because you're not letting in the dreck and the mediocre to have some decent storylines and to have some really competitive matchups within within the playoffs without inflating the thing. Just because you're greedy and want more money, owners, doesn't mean that the product... Quantity isn't always quality. For the most part, quality is not as much (laughs) quantity. Excuse me, I'm going to mess that one up. It's it's finding that perfect level, and I think the NFL has done that now. Now, am I going to watch all three games if they do it? Of Of course I am. (laughs) But I'm just asking you, please don't, because I think you have... You have such a perfect system as it is now, and it's ingrained in everybody's, you know, everybody who follows football even a little bit knows what the playoff system is, and it's ingrained in, in every American sports fan. I think to, to take that away, and another thing, too, and, and I apologize, Antonio, I'll let you go here, but there's an argument for the playoff system that the best team doesn't win every year. It's something that behind the scene, you know, I cover soccer in my in my job that pays the bills. And a lot of hardcore Premier League fans or, you know, expats who travel over here from England can't stand the playoff system in, in something like MLS in the U.S. because they're like, the it's a table format, the best team doesn't win, yada, yada, yada. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the playoffs are great and there's something to be said about winning in those grueling moments when you're up against the best of the best and it gives you great matchups and things like that. But a seven and nine team winning the Super Bowl because they got hot at the right moment would be infuriating. Yeah, it would be would be horrible. absolutely infuriating. And I just, I really hope this. You know, I think, uh, admittedly, I think it's inevitable because I think they'll get their way. Uh, the owners will, and they'll make some sort of concessions for the players because the players don't want this. They don't want to play any more games because this, yeah, the sport is already terribly violent. And we should but, we should say, yeah, just here that like this is still in negotiations. There's been some slight pushback, it seems like, from the NFLPA, not necessarily that this isn't going to happen, like you said, Tim, because I think it will. I think they're just using the slight leverage they have at the moment to um, try to get a few more probably concessions from the owners. And if anyone's asking why are they doing this now when we have two years before the CBA actually expires and it would be a 10-year CBA, uh, is I, and a thing I forgot about is the NFL TV contracts are coming up and the owners want yep. to ensure there is no work stoppage so they can get billions upon billions of dollars from the likes of NBC, Fox, ESPN and the like. So it'll be fascinating. I'm with you, though. I I think it'll happen. I don't think I'll like it. I'll watch it all <laughs> and eventually just get used to it. But the 17 games thing is going to throw me for a while, I think. But that's just a precursor to 
you know, they'll add some teams and go to 18 in the next 10 to 20 years, probably. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, kind of. But I think there's certainly some drawbacks that a lot of maybe casual fans aren't aware of, too. Tim, you mentioned the hardcore soccer fans and their thoughts on on the playoffs. My mom is Italian, born and raised. Haven't talked about that on the show yet. Uh, she spent her first, like, 30 years in Italy. So she she's not the biggest NFL fan in the world. She does know soccer, though, because obviously that's Italy's first sport by about a mile. We had a party for the Ravens-Titans game. Wait, real quick. What is Italy's second sport? Uh, you know what? The basketball. Yeah, okay. Okay. They're very into the NBA. Got a couple of, you know, high draft picks gotcha. out of Italy. The, okay. the Bargnani's and the, the Bellinelli's and the... the Bar- uh, Gallinari's still out there. Did we say him yeah, already? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's right, Gallinari. Anyway, she does no soccer. So we had a party for the Ravens-Titans game. Uh, and so she actually watched a Ravens game for the first time in like seven years. And when she realized it was a, a quote-unquote playoff game, she just turned and said, What? <laughs> Why do you have playoffs? Why don't you just have the team that finished first at the end of the season win the championship? So I certainly understand the point of the playoffs actually eliminating the best team and that the playoffs in in an ethical sense shouldn't exist so that the team that finishes the first in the regular season is the best team and wins the championship. But I digress. I hate the seven teams going to the playoffs. I hate it. The goal as a fan... The one thing I will say, the allowance for everybody watching the games is getting the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend. Every year, the Super Bowl is two Sundays before the President's Day Monday holiday. The joke's been made a billion times that the day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. It's not a joke. That's that's a, that's a fact. That's just a thing. So... As a, as a fan, I'm not talking about this from the NFL perspective because their owners could not care less about that. For them, it's money. But as a fan, it would be nice if the Super Bowl were the Sunday before President's Day and the vast majority of people had that day off and you could make the Sunday an even bigger party than it already is. The, the goal for me is adding weeks to the regular season. I understand the desire to always do that. 17 games makes no sense. <laughs> My solution is 18 games with an extra bye week for the team. So they have two weeks to rest. I would argue two buys with 18 games is better than one buy for 16 games in terms of these players having time to rest and recuperate. Do not touch the postseason. <laughs> you have the perfect balance of good teams getting buys bad teams not making it into the playoffs and teams in between the two having to win a lot of games to get to the Super Bowl. Don't touch that. I don't want to hear the Oakland Raiders being in the hunt for 12 weeks when they're 2 and 6 because all these teams are going to be in the hunt for 3 quarters of the season. Basically, I take it back. They'll be in the hunt the entire season because a 7 and 9 team can go to the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. I hate it. If you want to add games, Add it to the regular season, add in a bye so that it's safer for the players, and do not touch those playoff games. It's it it's a sacred format right now, and I don't want it to be touched. 
Any final thoughts, guys, on the... Oh, I have one more one more NFL note that I put in all caps in, in our spreadsheet. Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football. Dude, He's back out there. there. We saw five seconds of him in a basketball gym <laughs> gingerly tossing a college football to we don't even know who or what distance. Yeah, that... Uh, he looked like a dad throwing a ball to his 12-year-old son. Big Ben's back. If he unleashes that pass in a regular season game, Darius Leonard's returning it like 70 yards for a touchdown. Like, <laughs> I, the reaction to that tweet was like so funny to me because everyone was like, had exactly had that. They were like, Big Ben back. And you're like, that's what you take from this? I took, wow, he can't throw the ball very good. <laughs> he really needs to rehab that shoulder, yeah, uh, elbow rather. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, I just, I, mean, I, I hope that. I hope that he keeps on all of the weight that he gained while he was hurt. He had a he had something in the middle there. We call that a paunch is yeah. what he's got going on there. I hope I hope he keeps it. He don't, he won't even need the quarterback flak jacket anymore. He'll just have <laughs> he has enough the quarterback flap jacket. Yeah, there, there you go. He's got enough uh, uh, cushion there to every time whoever it is, whether it be Matt Judon or Sack Daddy Ferguson coming around the edge, he'll be fine when he takes a you know a little shot to the ribs there. Did not look like he was in football shape. Looked like a retired NFL player on the field pregame. It was not great. People got very excited about it. In a way, maybe all three of us should be excited about it, that that means that Ben Roethlisberger is back to lead the Steelers to a 7-9 and record and the seventh seed in the AFC playoffs. Oh, he'll playoffs. beat the Ravens next year. I, <laughs> no matter how bad he looks, I know it'll happen, but... Uh. All right, so we're going to close things out now. The last thing left to do, answer the the random raven. Tim, you're going to walk us through these clues one more time. Once again, we're going to be out for the next few weeks, probably two weeks, two episodes at this point. We will come back with so many hot takes from the NFL Combine. There will be, a, assuming there will be a lot of new deals from the Ravens and from the NFL in general. And then we'll start to teasing some draft potential picks that the Ravens may be interested in. Yeah, and shameless plug here, too. Uh, we talked about all of our – we have a lot of people in the U.K. who listen to this, and again, really, really appreciate that. I think it's very cool that we're able to – and I'm sure they listen to other podcasts as well, but we're able to kind of make an impact outside of the Baltimore market for this growing fan base now that they have one of the faces of the league, at quarterback especially. Um, I know people hopped on the train before that, but now we could even see it grow even further – and if you have any suggestions, I'm going to be in London most of the time. If you have any restaurant suggestions, go hang out with Tim. Pub suggestions, you can come hang out with me. I'm, I don't know necessarily where exactly I'm going to be, uh, but <laughs> but if you can get, you can contact me on Twitter and stuff, maybe we could we can grab a pint together. But if you have any suggestions on on the best things to do while gallivanting around London for a couple of days, uh, at Tim Horsey on Twitter. You don't have to, you don't have to bother these two guys on that pod like a raven, but just hit me up. Let me know. I'm open to all things. Um, I love beer and fried food, so I think I'm going to be okay uh, over there in London. <laughs> but real quickly, in. anyway, yeah, I'll fit in fine. Go to a few soccer games too, or football That's games. Right. Excuse That's right. me, matches. Yeah, well, they came up with that word, so don't blame me. Uh, real quickly, our five clues here for the random Raven: This two-time All-American was drafted with the 19th overall pick in the 2009 NFL Draft. He was one of six wide receivers drafted in that fir- the first round of that draft, including Kenny Britt. Hakeem Nix, who I wanted the Ravens to get really badly in that draft. Percy Harvin, Michael Crabtree, and Maryland's own Darius Hayward Bay. 
he was signed by the Ravens in June of 2017 and then released a year later in March of 2018. Baltimore was his third and final stop in the NFL. In his one season with the Ravens, he had 440 yards receiving, third on the team behind Mike Wallace and Ben Watson. Uh, and the only other Ravens to wear the same number as this player are Dante Stallworth, Brashad Perriman, and the one and only Pinocchio himself, as my dad used to call him because he would never bend his knees when he ran, Elvis Gerback. Uh, again, this came from Gaz, one of our UK listeners. Really appreciate that. If you have suggestions, at Raven on Twitter and Instagram, Raven at gmail.com as well. So, boys, I'm going to go. I'll go Jace first because I think he got it first. Oh, one I'm going to let Jace take it, but there's a lot to unpack there, Tim. Yeah. That the third leading receiver caught 440 yeah, had 40, 440 yes. yards receiving, <laughs> and that was behind Ben Watson. Behind Ben Watson. Who at the time was already like Washed. in his mid-30s. It's not good. Anyway, Jason, I'm going to let you – you had it first. I'm going to let you take it, but the one thing I'll say is fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, I yes. was going to say, I believe this to be Jeremy Macklin, um, I believe. Um, Correct, uh, Jeremy yeah. Macklin. Yeah, one of those guys who could do kind of everything when he was at his very best um, – Loved him at his very best. Loved watching him in college at Mizzou, too. Um, sort of in the same vein as Percy Harvin. You know, Percy Harvin getting a little more of the spotlight because he was on those Gators teams. But uh, Jeremy Macklin. And then came to the Ravens way too late and didn't do anything. And then left after a year and then retired a year later because nobody signed him. Yeah, I like had almost no recollection of him. It took me several clues to, <laughs> to figure out who that was. <laughs> um, we had Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin... And Ben Watson. That was the offensive unit of playmakers for Joe Flacco, who, as the years go on, will hopefully get more and more credit for being on a team with just absolute nothing in terms of playmakers on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball. This team, the the, the weapons, quote-unquote, on this team ranged from... Alex Collins, remember him? He'll be a random Raven in a year or two. A guy that we all loved. Like people bought jerseys for that guy. That's the thing. He that did happened. the River Dance when he scored two days? <laughs> yes, Javorius Buck Allen, Towson's own Terrence West, uh, Danny Woodhead was on this team, and he was like the weapon that we thought we had that was gonna. Then he got. Then he got. He had hurt. a good first drive, and then he got hurt. Um, Michael Campanero, uh, Chris Moore, who's still there. God bless him. Max Williams with two X's. Don't forget. Uh, Bobby Rainey was on this team. Mike Wallace previously mentioned. I mean, the list goes on and on uh, for guys. Chris Matthews, who had like a moment. Oh, yeah. Then, the, uh, was he the the same Chris Matthews from one of the Seahawks Super Bowl teams, I believe? Yes. <laughs> yes. That that Chris Matthews that we all were excited because he had a decent Super Bowl that one time. Um, yeah. Pretty bad. Tim, one of these years, Michael Campanero is going to put it all together for a 16-game season. Oh, really? Because I you think just, he's retired. You just wait. <laughs> I think he's gone. He's going to be the Julian Edelman of the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. All right. we got to walk away from this show. A tight a tight 60 minutes at this point. We, we did well in, in a lazy week in the NFL. We'll be back in a few weeks. We will bring Pod Like a Raven back to you with so many news and notes. When we come back, the Ravens are going to have made so many fantastic decisions in the front office, and we'll have all that and much more to bring to you. But for now, we're going to close out. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. We will see you in three weeks on Pod Like a Ring.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.